Welcome to Get Gig Ready. If you're a music maker, emerging or early in your career, or even a veteran looking to brush up on the basics, we're here to get you close to some amazing local talent to help amp up your skills. Get Gig Ready is presented by the City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales and 2SER with the support from Macquarie University. Joining me on Get Gig Ready is Josh White of Third Eye Stimuli Records. Thanks for joining the show, Josh. Just to to kick it off, um, how does one start a label? I mean, how did that all kind of come about for you? Take us through that. Yeah, I mean, how does how does anyone yeah. start a label? It's kind of just the weirdest sort of um, natural progression. It just kind of happens for one reason or another. Um, I think usually it an indie at least like an indie label sort of starts out because um certain people see some sort of um you know lack of support for a certain scene or a certain type of music certain types of artists and see maybe opportunity um to support that sort of network of artists and, and that community and that's definitely what happened for us and um it kind of you know, we, we were playing in bands back in early sort of 2010, 11, 12 um, around Sydney and uh, we had a band called The Grease Arrester. Uh, this was me and my um, business partner, Rick, and we we just knew a lot of great bands around the scene then and we were trying to get our music out there and everyone was doing it. very. It was very like core kind of DIY, kind of independent um, sort of mind, mindset at the time and... Um, yeah, we just, you know, it was hard to get support from record labels and didn't know how to go about that really anyway. And so we just, we were recording and producing everything ourselves and doing all our own artwork and everything. And it just kind of naturally went from one thing to the next. And we just were putting out our own stuff. And it's kind of early days with Bandcamp then too. Mm. Like Bandcamp was kind of pretty fresh and um, it felt cool that you could just chuck an album on Bandcamp for I mean, back then you'd just chuck it up for free and and be like, oh, if someone downloads this or <laughs> donates some money, then that'll be cool. Like, and you know, you'd grow like a fan base on there and be like, oh, people are actually like digging this. And mm. you know, we used to make um, we used to do like our make our own video clips and stuff on YouTube where we just like get our favorite movies and like cut stuff together and just come up with like a vibe kind of thing and put those out there and sort of start growing our YouTube channel and all that sort of thing. And Third Eye Stimuli kind of started in that time. We kind of had this name and we're like, oh, you know, it kind of feels like it could be this cool collective of just creative stuff, like whether it was music or art or whatever. And originally originally we thought it'd be like a blog, but um, one thing led to another. And then we realised that we felt like it would make more sense running a record label. And once we um, met Mitch from the Jim Mitchells that was kind of our first artist that we signed to the label and we worked with him on producing his record and um that kind of yeah that ended up being our first official vinyl release and then from there we started signing new artists and stuff so yeah cool I mean yeah you mentioned there that it started very DIY and you're probably learning as it was evolving what were some of the biggest things you learned from that, you know, evolution of Third Eye Stimuli, going from making your own music videos and just throwing records up on Bandcamp, how did it all, yeah, evolve? I think at the start you kind of just, we were very, I mean, I think it was, there was almost like a bit of, 
anti-authoritarian kind of attitude to the whole thing and and kind of being I mean it was also a very like it was kind of pre um digital streaming platforms and stuff too so um like not Jim Mitchell's but like when we were doing our our stuff in the Greece restaurant that as well like we kind of I guess when we started we we're like let's just be a vinyl and tape cassette record label because we we think the physical format's a way better and just a better listening experience and I think we had we'd also had a few trips in the states and we'd um we'd gone to the early incarnation of burger records um which obviously had a, a bad ending but what they started out really well and had a good ethos at the beginning and um we went to one of their stores and they were just selling cassettes and we're like this is the coolest thing ever and just like the community around this is amazing and that kind of that and also the Austin psych fest um like levitation sort of community as well was pretty inspiring but um so I think yeah we started off just wanting to do physical formats and but then I think what we've learned along the way is that and as like digital streaming platforms and all the other sort of intricacies of the music industry have sort of started to um come into our sort of perspective as a business you realize that there's a lot of other things that go into running a record label that aren't just putting out a just putting out a record on vinyl and being like there's just a lot more that goes into it and i think each year we're learning more and more about what those things are and um i think for us mainly the biggest game changer in the last year or so is just been actually more on the business side and more about like having a better infrastructure in your like record label business if you want to have a sustainable because we want to keep doing it you know like it's not like there's one thing to have like a bedroom project business thing and do do it as like a hobby but we want to keep making a difference for as long as we can and keep supporting artists that we think deserve support and deserve to be heard and I think um making your business sustainable is important to do that. And how do you make your business sustainable when it comes to, you know, using, I guess, helping your artists and bands, you know, make the most of their music? What what role does something like sync licensing play when it comes to sustainability? Yeah, so um, sync licensing is definitely one of the pretty powerful income streams for artists. Um and we've only really been dabbling in that more the last year or two. And, yeah, I mean, it, you, you kind of, it goes unnoticed a lot of the time, but you'll, you kind of, once you sort of realise and you hear some, some songs like, I mean, think about like bands like even the Babe Rainbow, for instance, like people love them and um, you wouldn't really notice, but their, their songs are getting added to, they're on ads and stuff that you wouldn't really think too much about but that's actually a really important sort of income stream for a band and and that in turn also creates helps get more fans because the song might be aligned with a really cool brand or something and um that then will get more exposure and then more streams on on um, streaming platforms and stuff as well so it's kind of feeds into each other it's like Mm. you got to have your streaming you want to be driving your streaming stuff and then you're having syncs and stuff happening at the same time to help keep pulling people across from both sides and buying merch obviously is what you ultimately want people to do too because that's like the loyal, the loyal sort of fan is 
buying merch ultimately, which is what you want. Like, is there a specific example? I mean, you use the Babe Rainbow there, but maybe of a, a band on your label where you found through sync licensing, you've been able to, as a result, grow their listenership um, and even maybe an increase in merchandise sales. Is that, has that happened? It's starting to happen, yeah. It's, I think it's definitely more of a, um, it's a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we've realized a lot as well with, with our artists is that we started out more with just like pressing some records and giving the band, um, you know, a, a cut of the records to sell their shows. But these days what we, what we have with our artists is more of a long-term relationship. And so really when you think about the lifetime of a, an artist, it, they could pop off in the next 10 or 20 years. You know, it's not like necessarily that they pop off in the first five years that they start making music and putting it out like the best records have been picked up years later you know so um there's artists of ours like rosa maria and the uplifting bellends and um and joe gatt from new zealand and stuff they've all had some some cool little sync things and stuff and in america and um some australian stuff and um like on tv series and things and yeah it's definitely helping um get more more engagement on streaming and stuff as well. But I think with syncs in particular, you kind of would want to be getting a lot more of them to start seeing it like go pop off huge. But you can tell, you know, when a track starts getting a lot of plays and you go, oh, that track was on this thing, like it's probably mm. probably helping, you know. Um, but, yeah, um, but, yeah, the merch, merch side of it is a big part of what we do and selling records is ultimately what we love doing and, um, it's a big part of, you know, we, we want to be selling records, you know, internationally and, and trying to press more and more records per, per release and stuff. And it takes time to, to do that, you know, as well, to get, to get it to selling more and more records. Yeah. And I think, well, what's it like for an emerging band, maybe for a band listening in, they're just starting off. How do you, if they're, if they're not on a label, how do you mm-hmm. go about getting your music uh, pressed onto vinyl or even a cassette and even maybe something like it might seem basic and simple, but a tote bag or a T-shirt. How does someone Mm. go about doing that? Like as an independent artist? Yeah, as an independent artist. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's not not too hard to to do it yourself like we did, you know, and um, it, just knowing the a few thing like the right people to sort of um do it with like to do things with and you you kind of can do it yourself that way we we press our records in in melbourne and there's two pressing plants there and um there's zenith records and there's program records which is a new one which is pressing i think a lot of the king gizzard stuff now um and yeah it's any artist can to, can sort of do that themselves. I guess at the end of the day, it just comes down to having the money to be able to take take on that risk yourself of of spending some money on do, on pressing some records and hoping that you um you sell them and um which you know you can if you've got a good loyal fan base of it's not hard to press 150 or 200 records and see how you go selling them at gigs and on and on Bandcamp. Obviously, Bandcamp's a massive part of that and. The cool thing about Bandcamp is the fact that you can have, um, you actually have followers, you know, and every time that you put a release up, 
they automatically get an email and and they get told straight away that you've got something new and so for us like we'll we'll put up a new release without even announcing it on our socials or anything or on our mailing list and it'll start people start buying it straight away because we've got that loyal sort of following um but yeah it just takes time to build that kind of following up and Mm. you just got to keep working on it and putting things out there for people to sort of keep following and engaging with you as an artist and um there's a lot there's so many ways that you can engage people these days with your music you know yeah i mean how do you think you've been able to do that with third eye stimuli is it yeah how does one you know carve out that family and really i guess establish a community and genuine connection with with followers and continue to grow that fan base yeah i mean obviously as a record label for us it's just been about curating a really um cohesive and interesting catalog of artists and roster of artists um so it's that's definitely been our biggest our main aim since we started was like just wanting to work with artists that we thought had a sonic similarity or um like-mindedness um a lot of the artists that we work with are they're kind of our friends you know like most i mean if they aren't already our friends we've become friends and become really close and because we work so closely with with each other and um yeah I think that's probably yeah having that consistency as between our like between all of our releases in terms of our fans knowing that they're going to get something that they're going to like with everything that we put out is definitely what um helps us um keep it keep people engaged you know um but there's so many other things as well you know between social media and everything that people do, like what, how we use our band camp, how we, you know, how we, um, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that bands like, um, I mean, I come back to King Gizzard just because they're so creative with everything that they do, but um, they're always doing something that's kind of groundbreaking and it's going to keep people coming back for more. And they use band camp in a cool way too, where they, they'll just put up their live, you know, their live performances and stuff or they'll, you know, they'll do those bootlegger things and um, they're pretty clever with coming up with new ideas that people just hadn't, haven't thought of. But um, I think if artists can think of, think outside of the usual box these days of how they can get their music out and how they can get right. people to sort of become interested, I think that's really smart because it's so easy just to keep doing the same thing that everyone's doing these days too. It's like, I'll just post on Instagram. I'll just keep doing this. and But, yeah, it's, it can get a little bit laborious for fans, I think. So you think, yeah, it's super important for people to, you know, I guess it's tough when you are starting off, right, as a band, you do want to do the things that are already working for other bands. Totally. It's probably quite, quite a risk. But, I mean, what, what are some of the risks that you've taken with bands on your label when it comes to, you know, using that King Giz example? Have you you know, drawn influence from that and, you know, with any of the social media marketing or even merchandise, tried to mix it up? I guess the thing that we've done that's us trying to mix up things a bit and, I mean, we're, we're always trying to sort of um, go out on our sort of expand the kind of world of Third Eye Stimuli and kind of make things a bit different to what other labels are doing. Um, but I guess for us, the one of the cooler things we've been doing is the garden sounds far out garden sounds sessions which is 
when we get artists over and we record them in the backyard at my place down here on the South Coast. And um, I think that's been a cool way of just breaking out of the usual format. I think, like, we really wanted to get bands out, like, into the environment instead of the studio and um, celebrate the kind of Australian kind of na- landscape and, and nature and um, and just, yeah, sort of show a different side to artists and um, and then what we're doing with that as well, which we're going to start um, pretty soon, is we're going to be doing a vinyl compilation of those sessions. So, like, we've just kind of wrapped up, like, our first kind of season of that and we'll be um, doing a really cool vinyl compilation of all the artists that have played on it so far and then we'll, we're just starting to record the next season which we'll do another vinyl compilation for that. And it, I think things like coming up with those kind of ideas, you know, like you can do things like that as an artist, do, do your own live sessions or, or um, you know, come up with other ideas that are a bit different. Um, we do record some of our live sets sometimes as well, like when bands play at the Lansdowne or, um, you know, we might do it for this show with Nice Biscuit that's coming up at Oxford Art Factory to do something kind of interesting with that perhaps. So, yeah, I think that's one thing that we've been working on. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, you mentioned that compilation and I remember you guys brought out that it was You Gonna Miss Me When You're Gone um, <clears throat> cover compilation. Do you think that as a label family that's really important? I mean, I don't think a lot of labels have that, but do you, with you guys you have that very distinct aesthetic and sound so having those compilations really plays into that family and and community um do you find people respond to that very positively and kind of yeah cements the label even more with them yeah yeah i think compilations are so cool like i really would like to do more of them um that we're gonna miss you record was a bit of a it was a bit of a dark horse kind of thing. We didn't, we, we thought it was really cool, but it was received much better than we thought it would be, I guess, because Rocky Erickson's such a hero to so many people out there. And, but the bands that all the covers were so cool as well. And it was, it was a really cohesive record um, in terms of all the psych bands that were involved and stuff. And I think doing compilations is cool because, you know, you're kind of bringing together a collection of artists that, Maybe certain fans haven't heard of some of the other bands, but you're kind of getting people onto things that they haven't heard before, kind of um, showcasing some stuff that bringing some things together and showcasing them as as a collection and, yeah, helping open some people's eyes and ears up to some new things, which is cool. I'd kind of love to do a compilation that's like, you know, um, maybe it might be one of all of our artists covering each other's songs or like that's a cool idea yeah just weird things like that you know like um but we we would like to do more of um covering things like rocky erickson like some epic records by some really cult sort of um cult artists as well from the past yeah that would be sick Uh, and i'm sure you're like the fan base obviously already did engage with it uh moving forward though like where, where do you see the see the label in the next 10 years and I mean no one really knows I guess how music's going to change in the next 10 years hopefully it's still around um <laughs> but yeah how do you see that changing and moving forward what, what plans are you putting in and is there anything you're foreseeing in terms of change in the industry it's weird I feel like the um 
there's like two things kind of happening in parallel. There's like the vinyl resurgence is obviously like a massive thing and it's growing so much and we're starting to see um, those sale trends changing in different markets and stuff where vinyl is becoming a higher selling product. And um, so I think for us, like, we definitely want to continue the kind of core ethos of the label, which is really pushing for physical merch and really because at the end of the day, like for us, like we, we're in the business of creating artifacts that are going to outlast time, you know, like we want to create artifacts that people are going to be buying when I'm not even around anymore. Um, you know, just like we we do, like we buy records from the 60s and they feel just as timeless and important as they are then they are today, you know, and I think that's what we want to keep doing is creating those kind of artefacts for people. But, um, yeah, I think just being aware of how much digi- the digital side plays into things now and just, just adapting to it as much as you can and just kind of... Um, being aware of all the new things. I mean, I've been fighting against TikTok internally for the last year and I think Mm. it's inevitable that TikTok plays into, you know, people getting bored of Instagram. So you should probably start thinking about using TikTok and being creative with that. And I think bands like the Lazy Eyes are a pretty good example of a band that have utilised like all the different social media and stuff and were clever with, with all of that in terms of um, making their album release pretty, pretty strong because they, they used all those different platforms to promote it and stuff and Mm. just really doing all of that to help promote your gigs and promote your release and just getting creative as much as you can in that, in that release schedule is really important. Just getting more ears around your music, I guess as well. Yeah. Cool. Hey Josh, I got to say a big thanks for, for joining Get Gig Ready. Really appreciate it. Uh, no worries, Oscar. Thanks for having me. Josh White there, the founder of Third Eye Stimuli Records, talking all about income diversification, how he makes money for bands on his label, and just all things music industry. Let's play a track now from a band off of Third Eye Stimuli Records. This is Party from the Sugarland Express. Thanks for joining us on Get Gig Ready. See you next time. Yeah.